Are you ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Anthony here with you and it is Grey Cup week. Today we are going to be taking a look back at the East and West Finals. We're going to be taking a look ahead to the big 110th Grey Cup in Hamilton this coming Sunday. And we have a very special guest joining us today from Hamilton. It is the Montreal Alouettes Beast linebacker Darnell Sankey. We sat down and chatted with him. Before we get into all that, let's check in with some news. From battling during their days on the field to hoisting a Grey Cup as members of the 2012 Toronto Argonauts coaching staff, Mike O'Shea and Jason Moss look to add to their championship resumes when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers take on the Montreal Alouettes this coming Sunday. O'Shea was hired by the Argonauts as a special teams coordinator in 2010 following an illustrious playing career with the club which also included Grey Cup championships in 96, 97, 2004. Moss, who spent two stints with Edmonton 2000-2005 and then again from 08-11, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats 06-07 and then the Alouettes too in 07, served as the quarterback coach to the future Hall of Fame pivot Ricky Ray. After touching down in Hamilton on Monday, the two reflected on their playing days working together in Toronto and how they've grown into the decade plus since. They are both really accomplished coaches. They both had really great historic careers. And I'm super excited to see how this game goes down on Sunday. Taking the handoff. Off to the right, it's intercepted. Mark Antoine Duquois. What a turn of events this is as Kelly can get him. Duquois has the pick six to open things up for the Alouettes in this Eastern Final. Touchdown, Montreal. The Alouette's defense has had an answer to just about everything. Three-man rush. Kelly with time. Wanted to chuck it deep instead. He goes to the right. It's picked off again. Another pick six for Montreal. Unbelievable. Kibion Anto jumped the rough, took the ball, took it in, and the Alouettes are getting closer and closer to an appearance in Grey Cup 110. On Saturday, the East Final was the first one up as the Montreal Alouettes traveled out to Toronto to take on the air quotes guarantee repeat Toronto Argonauts, but it was the Alouettes coming out on this one 38-17. For the Alouettes, Cody Fajardo 18 for 25, 175 yards, a touchdown, and he threw an interception as well. He also ran the ball five times for 38 yards. Tyson Philpott had five catches for 42 yards. William Stanback was a dual threat on the ground and in the air. Three catches for 39 yards. Austin Mack had four catches for 36 yards. But it was really all the defense that took care of the Argos in this one. For those Argos, Chad Kelly, 21 for 36, 246 yards, one touchdown, four interceptions, including two pick sixes. A.J. Ouellette had a strong game on the ground, 14 for 71. And then also, DeVaris Daniels had four catches for 77 and that standalone touchdown that Chad Kelly threw. All in all, this game, if you're an Alouettes fan, was really exciting to watch. If you're an Argos fan, this was a devastating game to watch. 
I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great game. I thought that a lot of people were picking the Argos to take it. And I love seeing a shocker when it comes to game day. And it was the Owls taking this one, punching their ticket, heading to Hamilton for Grey Cup 110. 10th play of the drive. What is it? That was a run. Back to Oliveira. Brady Oliveira trying to pick his way down towards the end zone and push towards the end zone. What an effort from Winnipeg trying to get him home. And Got a it. new touchdown bombers. An all-time effort. And they find the end zone for the first time tonight. From bad to even worse for the Lions here. Flicked off. Can't get it away. That's going to be scooped up by the Winnipeg defense. Trying to push it down towards the end zone again. The West Final took place in Winnipeg as the BC Lions traveled out to IG Field to take on the Bombers, which was also a repeat of last year's Western Final with the same result as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers took this one 24-13 over the Lions. Vernon Adams Jr. went 13 for 35, 221 yards, one touchdown, and was also bit by that interception bug. Three interceptions as well. Take one, Mizell. Five carries for 37 yards. Justin McInnes, big day in the air. Four catches for 110 yards and a touchdown. Lucky Whitehead, four catches for 62 yards as well. For the Bombers, Zach Caleros did not need to throw a touchdown in this one. 14 for 21, 158 yards. Brady Oliveira, 21 carries, 109 yards and a touchdown. Kenny Lawler, 6 catches for 83 yards. Nick Dembski, who was a game-time decision, 3 catches for 37 yards. This was really spread out all over. The Bombers, unfortunately for BC fans, absolutely destroyed the BC Lions. And they will be meeting Montreal in this coming Sunday's Grey Cup. Coming up next, we will be sitting down with someone who's going to be in the 110th Grey Cup game. Montreal Alouette's beast linebacker, Darnell Sankey, will be right back. Four-man rush on Kelly. He has time. He's flushed out. Mustafa Johnson chasing him as he throws back against the green. It's picked off again. Darnell Sankey with his second interception of the playoffs. And this onslaught by the Montreal defense just continues here in the third quarter. Fresh off a huge East final victory, our guest today joins us from Hamilton for the 110th Grey Cup. He has played in the NFL and the XFL, where he won the XFL championship with the Arlington Renegades earlier this year. He is a CFL West Division All-Star in 2021, and heading into his second championship game in a matter of months, Montreal Alouette's beast linebacker, Darnell Sankey. Welcome. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. You've played a number of years in the NFL prior to your CFL arrival. So how did your path to the CFL happen? Yeah, yeah. Like you mentioned, I played for about uh, for about four years uh, off and on P-Squad, active roster, um, free agency. Uh, so it wasn't like four straight. It was throughout the span of four years from 2016 to 2019. Um, I played for eight different teams. Um, I was with the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chiefs, 
the Vikings, the Colts, the Ravens, the Lions, and the Saints. And I had a mini camp with the Panthers. So I've definitely uh, been around the league for, you know, my fair share. I was blessed to play with uh, some amazing coaches and some amazing teammates, lifelong friends that I still talk to to this day. You know, I got released in. So after my fourth, my fourth year, I guess, like, you know what I mean? Uh, like not my fourth season, but after my fourth calendar year or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. I was released from the Saints after training camp. Uh, I had a couple workouts. Actually, I had a lot of workouts um, that whole season, but I didn't sign anywhere. So me and my agents had a discussion and we're like, hey, you know, it's not really looking like it's happening right now. Um, we need some film. You know, we need some film. So we got to figure out a way to get some film. And I decided to come to the CFL. So Calgary had actually came to me um, a couple years prior. And uh, I was still playing in NFL, still kind of doing my thing, signing. So I kind of said, no, nah, that's not what, love, what I'm looking for at this moment. So they came back 2019. I ended up signing with them, I believe, in February 2020. That was COVID year, though. So when I signed to them, it just happened to be that the CFL year um, got canceled, right? Essentially, uh, it did get canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during that time, I just trained. Um, I went back and got some extra schooling. Um, I just kind of waited, you know, make sure I was ready to go. I actually became an EMT. Wow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I was you know, EMT as, as well. Um, and... Ended up going to Calgary, uh, 2021, and then yeah, you know, I mean, uh, the rest is uh, the rest is history. So when the COVID year hit, did um they had that thing right where you could opt out of your contract or opt out of the year, and then you can come back again. That's what you did, correct? Yeah, because I was, I think if I remember correctly, I think I opted out like because if you opt out, you're able to explore NFL right. So I, I, if I ever recall correctly, I think I opted out, but then opted back in once yeah. it happened. Cool. Okay. What was the learning curve like adapting to the Canadian game over the American game? I wouldn't really say there was a learning curve. Um, there's definitely areas of the game that are different, but I don't know. I don't know if I would consider it a learning curve because I think linebackers, linebacker. I think there's certain positions to where there is a learning curve, like receiver. Um, the waggle. Yeah, the waggle. Maybe DB covering the waggle. Linebacker, D-line, O-line, running back. I mean, C, C and hit, you know? Yeah. I mean, downhill, pass coverage. Like, sure, there's different coverages because it's 12 on 12, but, I mean, cover three is cover three, you know? Like, yeah. you just add another guy. Cover four, quarters is quarters, you know? It's like... I don't think about it. I never really thought about it like that. Your first year in the CFL. So you go from like practice roster, active rosters, you know, going through a bunch of different teams into your CFL, your first season, you're a CFL West division all-star right off the bat. So Mm -hmm. what was it like with the Stampeders that year in Calgary? Well, uh, coach Monson uh, was my head, was my defensive coordinator. And I think he really believed me from the jump. Um, I, all I kind of wanted was an opportunity to showcase my skill. You know, I feel like when I was in the NFL, being on P-Squad, active, special team, back to P-Squad, it's like you never – I never really got the chance to 
to showcase what I can do as a linebacker. And I feel like I was blessed and fortunate enough to be able to do that my first year in Calgary. And, you know, I went and led the league in tackles, West, uh, West all-star, you know, credit to my teammates for, you know, getting me on board and helping me as well. Uh, Coach Slow, Coach Slow, who was a linebacker coach there for me, uh, he definitely took me under his wing as well. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just grateful that they allowed me to, uh, you know, kind of propel my career, you know, show people what I could do. What went into the decision to head out to Saskatchewan after that? There was a couple of different factors. You know, um, I had felt like I wanted to test the market. I wasn't, uh, I mean, I'm still new in the CFL. It was my first year. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to see what, what else was out there. You know, I, I didn't really want to hold myself down to one spot. I mean, it's, it's nothing against Calgary. They they blessed me with an opportunity. Uh, coach Diggison is an amazing head coach. Um, you know, I just kind of felt like I wanted to explore some options. You know, there was a couple of teams that were definitely interested. You know, Saskatchewan looked the most promising for me. And uh, that's what I went ahead and did. You've had a ton of interest and a lot of attention since then. And then yeah. after the Riders, you know, Dwayne Johnson and his group purchased the XFL. It became a legitimate place to develop football talent. So what led you down to the XFL? Yeah, you know, I just think it's all a, a timing thing. You know, um, I mean, first and foremost, there were some things going down in Sask that uh, I'm sure it's, it's you know, it's the board around town. Everything last year, that last back end of the season, you know, um, but hey, you know, I had a great time there. Ryder Real treated me extremely well. Um, you know, I have I have lifelong friends still in, in Regina, you know. Uh they treated me well. It was never against them. I just kind of felt like I wanted to explore my option with the XFL. That wasn't the plan really until kind of later into the negotiation, you know. Um I definitely was negotiating with Sask. I was, you know, um I was going to hit the market mm -hmm. and uh you know just to kind of see and then the xfl kind of just happened to give me a call and i talked about it with my coach i mean with my uh my agents and my mm -hmm. and uh, we decided you know what let's let's give this a go what was the season like playing down in the xfl in arlington man it was different it was <laughs> different you know uh i mean there's so much things in the xfl that were new to me you know, um, first and foremost, all the teams were hubbed in Dallas. You know, that was definitely strange. You know, like the uh, every single XFL team is stationed in Dallas, mm -hmm. Arlington, Fort Worth, you know, Dallas area. Yeah. And then you travel to your game. So, like, let's say we play D.C. They would be living in Texas, but we would play them in D.C., so they would travel and we would travel to their home stadium in DC. That's weird. Yeah. So, and I think I, I'm not sure why it was like that. Maybe because it was a new, you know, new league again. Maybe I don't, I don't really know. Um, that was definitely, uh, I know a lot of guys in the XFL thought that was a little weird though, you know? Um, but aside from that, you know, uh, we shared a hotel also with Houston so I was kind of awkward come like game week, you know, yeah. I'm like that's the players like, you know, like, hey, yeah, we play you this week, especially the playoff week. That was really because it was like, you know, a little bit of tension, you know, uh, we shared the same facilities as them. 
the same weight room, the same stadium. We trained at Choctaw, Choctaw Stadium in uh, in Arlington. So it was just different, just different, you know. Um, yeah, different. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. So you won the championship with Arlington, with the Renegades. And then yep. in August, you had asked for your release. Was that always the plan to finish off the season? Because it is more of like a spring league, right? Was that yeah. kind of the plan to like get your release after the season to kind of, you know, be able to weigh your options some more. Yeah. Um, you know, I took the XFL as a, as an, an option to explore more opportunity, mm. uh, whether that was back with the NFL or that was, um, you know, just with the XFL, I wasn't too knowledgeable about and, or, you know, come back to the CFL one day. Like I, I just kind of really wanted to, that's something that I felt like was pulling on me to do. And I feel like, uh, I would have regretted it if I didn't take that opportunity. But yeah, I mean, after the season ended, I, I knew I wasn't going back. Um, nothing against it. You know, it's a great league uh, opportunity for uh, for young guys and players who are looking to get in the NFL. But I feel like it was just, it's just, you know, like it's, I felt like I had a, a more fun experience in the CFL. I feel like the CFL is a little bit more established. And it's just, it just wasn't for me. You know, I mean, hey, a lot of guys love the spring league. Um, I have nothing against it. I want a ring, want a championship. Uh, I just, I just decided it was time for me to move on. You decide on Montreal this past September. They, you know, of course, they were going through their own turmoil and trouble, you know, ownership, whatever else, a little bit more stability now. So I'm sure there was a ton of teams so what was it about the Alouettes and kind of like the new look Alouettes that attracted you besides reuniting with Cody Fajardo? Yeah. So uh, like you mentioned, there was uh, definitely a, a good amount of teams um, who, when I put the word out that I was coming back to the CFL, they uh, reached out to my agent. I'm not going to throw any teams out there. You know, I don't want to air out dirty laundry. That's not, that's not for me to do. No, no. Uh, but uh, I think what one of the main things that brought me to Montreal was the fact that I had a good I had good relationships with Cody and Coach Moss. So I spoke to both of them. Um, I spoke to Sean Lemon. Mm -hmm. uh, me and him were really cool. He he kind of told me uh, about Coach Thorpe. So yep. I got in contact with Coach Thorpe. He kind of told me if I come, what was expected of me, um, kind of what he wanted at me out of what he saw in me. Uh, talked to Greg quick. Their linebacker coach, Danny, uh, the GM. Uh, it just feel like I just felt like everybody welcomed me, like was so welcoming me, you know. Um, even before, you know, so it was like it wasn't too hard of a decision after all that, you know. There like there were still other teams in the mix, you yeah. know. But once I started, you know, getting a relationship with them and kind of uh, like, yeah, this is somewhere I can definitely help. Especially with someone like Sean, right? Because, you know, he didn't get re-signed in Calgary as like the top defensive player in the league. Goes yeah. to BC, that what happened. And then all of a sudden he goes to Montreal and just like, wow, right? Yeah. Like just starts devastating. So yeah. in, in six games for you this year, you recorded 31 defensive tackles, a sack, two forced fumbles, and you helped the Alouettes to an 11-7 and record while going 5-1 and since your arrival. Yeah. What was the atmosphere like in that locker room when you got there and during that six games for the playoff push? 
Um, you know, there was definitely a little bit of buzz um when I first got there. You know, I knew some guys on the team already. Um, uh, you know, buzz from the media, you know, out at practice. Um, but I feel like a lot of the guys kind of accepted me pretty quick. You know, I felt like they respected me when I got there, when I got here. Um, I felt like they welcomed me with open arms. There was no sense of amnosity uh, or amnosity, whatever that word is. There was none of that. There was no, uh, like, kind of, you know, like, oh, you know, like, no negative reaction. You know, guys kind of welcomed me and allowed me to uh, to lead, you know, as a Mike linebacker. Um, you know, that first week was a lot. The first week, you know, I signed on – I think Monday and I played the Friday game every single snap. So it was like, you know, there was a lot of guys in my corner, coach Thorpe, GQ guys on the team, helping me out, staying with me extra watching film, you know, uh, I mean, then, then ever since then, I, you know, I, um, when we lost that game, it was just like, this is something I want to do. I want to have to deal with again. And we haven't. I talked to Tyson Philpot a couple of weeks ago, and even on the offensive side of the ball, they were glowing about your arrival coming in there. So even yeah. he was talking about you and Sean coming in later in the year and just dominating. Speaking yeah. of dominating, absolute beast in the Eastern semifinal against Hamilton, eight tackles, two sacks, and an interception. Confidence must have been huge going in, in through that game in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I believe in myself as a player. As an athlete, um, I believe, you know, I truly believe I'm one of the best uh, linebackers in the CFL. So I, I felt like, you know, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. And we're in the playoffs, and it's and I got to do what I got to do, you know. So I'm a, I'm always going to leave from the front, and, and that's what – and, I mean, that's something I had to do. So I did it. Everyone was talking – the Argos were guaranteed Grey Cup repeat. The Argos are just going to go to the Grey Cup, and that's the end of it. What was it like? Did that light a fire going into Toronto? Um, Interesting. I don't know how to explain our mentality. I've, all, I've always held the mentality that we're not going to lose. So it could have been the Patriots. You know, I don't – it don't matter to me because as an athlete – as a competitor, like I always held the mindset that like, you know, we're not going to lose a game. So it didn't really matter if it was Toronto or not, you know, like, of course, you know, we're, we're definitely heavy underdog, but, um, you know, I, uh, I guess I just had, I believed and our, and our team believed and we never really looked at it like a fire, you know, we didn't really care. Really. We didn't care. You know, we just, we knew we were going to win, and that was it. Yeah, we chatted the day before the game, and you said, let me go get this dub, and then we'll chat about it after. And <laughs> you, you did. Six, tack <laughs> six tackles, <laughs> another yeah. interception, 38-17, big win. You must have been feeling pretty good after Saturday. Yeah, yeah, like you like you had mentioned, I had, I remember telling you that because you asked me, and I was – I, you know, but I just knew, you know, like it's not being arrogant or cocky. Like we just – we knew, you know, we knew we were the better team. And we knew that if we played our game, that we would win. So, I mean, it's per, it's simple to me, you know, like we know what we have. We know what we have on defense. Um, we know Cody's going to do his thing with the offense. And uh, we just have faith and we believe. So, I mean, yeah. 
you were named the East player of the game. What did that mean to you to have such an impact on the win? Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely a blessing. Uh, I'm very thankful, of course. Uh, but I think a lot of the guys on the team, you know, on the defense go unnoticed, you know, like every, every position has to work together, you know, like, like for example, the interception, yeah. Moose, Mustafa chased the Chad down and tackled him. He kind of had to throw a bad ball, you know? So it's like, there's definitely plays within a play that I feel like people don't really see that get, you know, um, you know, uh, highlighted, you know, like we got, uh, they got, we got Bevert, you know, weak side and he does his thing too. So it definitely takes a lot of pressure off me because they're coming after him also. So. Yeah. Defensively, the Alouettes seem almost unstoppable. And you talked about coach Thorpe earlier. What is it about his defensive planning that's really impacted your game? Yeah. Coach Thorpe, I think he allows us to kind of just, I call it like Rome, you know, like he kind of allows us to, like alignment, assignment, execution, we call it, you know, and it's like, you know, we have our, we have the play, you know, we have what we're running, the coverage, the blitz or whatever, but there's things that were allowed, like he kind of is lenient with us doing per our skill ability, you know, like, like he doesn't overcoach, you know, like he'll kind of tell you a general, this is what the play is. This is what I expect. But I mean, you could still make a play in that play. You know, and I think that's something that's very um, rare in a lot of D coordinators. Some a lot of D coordinators kind of want it done their way, you know, which is fine. I get it. But with him, it's like, OK, like if you do it this way, I see why you did it that way. Or, hey, if you see it, then do it, you know, like because he's not out there with us. So if you see it, make it happen. So here's the play. Here's what I want out of it. Go do it, basically. Just yeah. do it however you and your skill set can get there to do it. Exactly. A lot of people don't know what goes into Grey Cup week. So you're in Hamilton right now. It's Grey Cup week. What yeah. has your schedule looked like so far this week? What have you been able to do? Yeah, so, you know, we just got uh, – I mean, it's a lot of media. Um, that's first and foremost. Uh, you know, we got our practice. We got our routine. But, the, I mean, it's, I think a lot of people don't understand the amount of media there is. Um, but it's expected, you know. It's the Grey Cup, you know. So I wouldn't expect it to be any different. But – um. Yeah, I mean, basically our days just wake up, go to the facility, meetings, practice, media. That's that's pretty much it, you know. Are you able to do anything around the around the festivities, or is it all just focus and get to work? Um, are we able to? Yes. Do we want to? It's up to you. You know, like it's up to the person. You know, I'm sure guys want to enjoy the city. Um, want to enjoy the festivities. You know, obviously we got the award ceremony tomorrow. A lot of guys will be going, um, you know, but it's all up to you. You know, I, my, I, like Coach Moss said something that was really, uh, I feel like really over, overlooked in our meeting was he, or not overlooked, but no one really spoke of our meeting. He said, uh, you know, don't think just because we're in Grey Cup week, you have to like break your routine. You know, like there's going to be a lot of outside noise, a lot of media, a lot of attention, a lot of optional things you can do but you don't have to like, it's up to you, you know, like if you feel like you're the type of player that can go enjoy it and still be focused, come practice, then go. But if you think, you know what, I don't think I can, then don't. It's good that you have the freedom to go do it if you want to, but you also have that freedom to be like, nah, I'm going to stay focused. Exactly. 
So well, how is the team feeling right now going for that eighth championship? Oh, man. I mean, emotions are high. Um, but I think everyone's pretty focused. Everyone's pretty locked in. Like, we know what we got to do, you know. So, of course, it's we're having a great time. We're, we're having fun, you know, uh, living in the moment. But at the same time, we understand what's the task at hand. You know, we got a great team we're facing. Uh, Winnipeg's been dominant. But, I mean, we just – we've been dominant too. So, it's going to be – it's going to be a battle. You know, game day nerves are always a big thing. Do you ever get that, or does it? Do the game day nerves get amplified when it's the Grey Cup? Well, this will be my first Grey Cup, so I guess I can't answer that. But I can compare it to the championship I was just in. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, for me personally, um, I look at every game the same way. I play every game the same way: fast, relentless, physical, fly the ball. So doesn't matter what game it is. I'm still going to play the same way. But, I mean, obviously I know, like, I'm in the Grey Cup. You know, like, I'm not I'm not ignoring that. You know, so, of course, that's there. It's something you think about. But, I mean, once that whistle blows and I'm on defense and I'm looking at uh, Kolaros and Brady across, I mean, all that goes away. All those nerves and butterflies, it all goes away because it's just football. It's go time. So what can we expect to see from the Alouettes this Sunday? Man, you're going <laughs> you're gonna see a team that that plays for one another. So you will see that and you will see, you know, it's gonna be a great game. <laughs> that is awesome. I know that you are really busy right now. I appreciate you taking the time. So I want to keep this short tonight so you can still stay focused and go get that dub this weekend. Darnell, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I really appreciate chatting with you, and go Alouettes. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> that was our conversation with Darnell Sankey heading into Grey Cup 110 this weekend, where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers take on the Montreal Alouettes. There's a lot of storylines to look at in this game. There's, you know, Mr. Grey Cup, Cody Fajardo. He has been in four consecutive Grey Cups, one, two, lost one coming into this one. There's the dominant defense from the Montreal Alouettes. We just talked to Darnell Sankey and we talked about how amazing they've been. You know, they've been undefeated the last five games of the season. Eastern semifinal, Eastern final. There's also Bully Ball Brady, right? Brady Oliveira, he just runs that ball right down your throat and it's difficult to defend against and difficult to fight against. Then there's also redemption for Cody Fajardo. Cody Fajardo has been, you know, swept to the side. No one cared about him in Saskatchewan. Same thing with Coach Moss. Nobody cared about him either and it's a redemption game for them. So the Grey Cup goes down this coming Sunday, which is the first Sunday game. All the other playoff games are on Saturdays. This one's going Sunday. It's the Montreal Alouettes, Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Hamilton. I am going to say it is going to be another upset. I'm going to say Montreal is going to take this one. They're going to win their eighth championship. And they're going to put the pause on the whole dynasty conversation of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's going to be an exciting game. going to be an amazing game. Can't wait to see it. So let's check it out and see what happens. That is it for us this week. You can follow us on Instagram, X, and threads at Around the CFL. 
You can find our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts from. Apple, Amazon, Spotify, iHeart, and all the other ones. We'll be back again next week. We are going to be recapping the Grey Cup. Hopefully recapping the entire season. But for now, we'll see you later. Thank you.